0: Thank you, Lord. All right, time to get up again. One more time. All right. Let's make our confession of faith. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learn, that I should know how to speak a word in season. To him, he is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as to learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebased, nor did I turn away. Amen. You may be seated. I want to thank Pastor. Good luck for the opportunity to speak to you tonight. I give you some blessings. I was just uh, early, earlier today. I was on the uh, uh, in Florida, and by the great things of being able to jump on an aircraft and two and a half hours later be in Texas. I was able. I got back to Texas today. So we've got uh, cases of uh, Florida sunshine for sale. Uh, we and if. Uh, if you don't like the regular can type, we do have liquid sunshine. It's also water in a can. But, you uh, know, I'm just joking. Everybody, my wife, every time she goes, she says this, They call it the sunshine state, and all the, every time I come down here, it's raining. I say, well, that's liquid sunshine. We only have sunshine in Florida. Don't you know that? But, uh, anyway, it's good to be with you in the house tonight. And uh, I want to share with you something tonight that uh, I don't, I haven't heard a lot on it. I haven't heard a lot of teachings on it because it's, I think it's something that we just either automatically assume or we never think about it. And uh, we don't think about it very much. I remember as a child I used to sing about it. We used to have this song. It says, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart today, and I'm so happy, so... No, whatever, okay. <laughs> but he said, I got joy in my heart, got it in my head, got it in my feet, right? And so, from a child, we learned to sing the songs, and we would get happy. We would you know, we just get all happy and, and all of this, right? Because we learned about joy. And then we used to sing, of course, sing... The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. But we don't sing it anymore. You know, then we used to sing, Well, it's that joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It's that joy unspeakable and full. We don't sing that anymore. We don't talk about the joy of the Lord. And I didn't say your joy. I said His joy. Okay. I didn't say your joy. I'm talking about His joy. His joy is our strength. Okay. Not my joy. And I believe that probably in the teachings that I've done over the years, and, you know, I've been in the ministry a few years. Too many to count right now. But the thing that I find most disturbing in the ministry is how we have lost the understanding and the importance of joy. And Tonight, I want to share with you a scripture that you're all very familiar with in Nehemiah 8. You may not know it by its address, Nehemiah 8, verse 10. But the last part of that scripture is something that we all, I just sang the song, and we've sang it over and over for many, many, many years in times past. But it says, the last part of it says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. If, if. It's a big word. If the joy of the Lord is our strength, then why don't we seek God's joy? Make sense? So, when you look at this, and a lot of people say, Well, I know what joy is. Do you? What is joy? Another word for joy, Brother Graham, is happiness. That's not joy. Happiness is happiness. Sadness is sadness. And joy is joy. But joy and happiness, joy can bring happiness, if you want to say the temporal thing of happiness, if you had a, a, a natural way of joy. But joy, as we call joy, is a spiritual thing. When you look in Webster's Dictionary, I looked it up, Webster Dictionary defines joy as the emotion invoked by well-being, success, good fortune, or the prospect of possessing what one desires. That definition leaves a little bit lacking, but it talks about specific things. It talks about well-being, success, good fortune, prospect, prospering, and so it sounds to me like Happiness, or what it's calling here, it is calling joy, it's calling joy, is something that can only be invoked if you see well-being, good things, prosperity, fortune, all of these things, which are all things out here that we have. I don't, I don't believe that Western does it joy. It may be the joy that most people understand joy to be. I believe that that's what most people think joy is, is having success, having these things, and the happiness because it makes them feel good. But that's not what the joy of the Lord is. Okay? These are temporal things. Rick Warren, many of you may know Rick Warren. I was reading one of his books, and he has a pretty good definition, and I like his. It comes a little bit closer to my own thinking of what I think joy is. It says, joy is the settled assurance. The settled assurance. What's something settled? It's settled, it's done. The seal's been put on it, it's been signed, it's been documented, it's settled. There is no variance one way or the other. If something is settled, it's done. Right? He says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control Of all the details of my life. God is in control of every detail in my life. From a hurting eye to a hurting finger to the greatest thing that you could come up with. All of it is in control. The details of my life, it's the quiet, Quiet, not loud. Remember, happiness is, you know, but this is a quiet, okay, time, a quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God is in every situation. No matter what is going on around you, joy is the quiet assurance that everything is okay. No matter how bad it looks, it is okay. That's joy. That's what we've lost today, is that joy and confidence. Because what happens when something happens, okay, when things begin to happen... What's the first thing that disappears? That quiet assuredness, assurance that God's gonna have and God's got it under control. It flies right out the window. Why? Because we look at different things. We want to look at it tonight and see, okay? Joy is not natural. Joy is supernatural. Okay? It says the joy of the Lord. The joy means there's one joy. The joy means there's one joy, not multiple joys. We all have the access to the same joy. That unspeakable joy I was talking about, that unspeakable, okay? The joy, 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 down in my heart. All of that, that same joy. We have that, okay? It is the joy of the Lord, and it is a gift. It is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? So it comes from the Spirit. It comes from God. It's not something that you create. It's not something that you get. i gotta, I got to move around. I'm sorry. Sorry with the cameras. Sorry about that. Put me on wide-angle lens or something, right? Probably need that to get me anyway. But the thing about it is, is joy is, is something that we have to realize is not something we can get it get built up. We can't get it get it going. It is something that is available and it's there. It's there. It's that assurance, it's that confidence, it's that trust, it's that believing and knowing that God has everything. Everything under control. Okay? So if you have that confidence that we have there. Now Happiness is temporal, right? Happiness is something that what makes you happy? Things that make you happy. Things are going great. You're happy. You got a smile on your face. We can tell. You're happy. But when things are not going well, the smile goes away. The happiness goes away. Why? Because happiness is temporal. It's natural. It's controlled by circumstances. Happiness is controlled by circumstances. Not by God. Not by anything else. It's controlled by circumstances. Satan wants to come and steal the joy that you have. And to weaken your walk with the Lord. Now, there are many things around us. You can get happy about your family when things are good. And you can get sad, discouraged, when things aren't going so good. You can, be, you can get happy about your job, a new job. I'll make you more money, uh, whatever. Or you can have a job that you hate going to every day. Okay? but there, it, So you're sad when you go to work. So these things, happiness and sadness, we all deal with every day. And they're all controlled by all those things that go on around us. But see... Everything that goes on around us is external to where the joy of the Lord is on the inside. It is a spiritual condition. that abides inside of us. That confidence and that trust that's in there that keeps us where we're going. But how then does Satan take take this joy away from us? I wasn't going to get into how you receive the joy because that's a whole other message within itself. But the Bible, we know this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long service, gentle kindness, peace, temper, space. You know, we know all of those, right? Well, joy is one of those. So it means it's a fruit of the Spirit. So that means that we can, when we accept Jesus, we accept what? His confidence. His, we trust Him in our lives. The more we trust Him, the more our joy stays alive. Why? Because. Satan wants to take and turn our eyes 180 degrees away from where joy is. Joy is in Jesus. Loss of joy is in your circumstances. Okay? We cannot be controlled in here by what's going on out here. If we're controlled by what's going on out here then this never gets to blossom. And this joy that gives us inside, God, we're we're telling the Lord, I can't trust you. I can't trust you in here because of what I see going on out here. Right? So, we turn our eyes to that earthly side looking for that temporary happiness that turns into sadness at times, versus holding on and trusting God in every situation that we have. Now, if Satan can rob you, which he's come to steal, kill, and destroy, right? We know what he's come to do, right? If he can take and suppress your joy, whether he steals it from you or not, all he has to do is suppress it, okay? So how does you know, if he can do that, what happens to us? What's the title of the message? The joy of the Lord is our inner strength. I added a word for clarification, just so we know that I'm talking about an inward peace. I'm talking about an inward strength. I'm talking about something in here. I'm not talking about this. I may not be this. Randy and I was talking about it today when he picked me up at the airport. Thank you, Brother Randy, for doing that. He picked us to airport today and I said, We can put these luggage in the back of your pickup truck. He said, Yeah. I said, Well, you have to let tailgate down so I can put it in. He said, I'll take it and put it in there. I said, He's stronger than I am. These arms used to be big. This chest used to be up here, (laughs) and I was strong. Somebody wanted to break me in half, I'd punish them best I could. I realized it was tough when you had guys weighing 370 pounds and you only weighed 232 or 35 pounds. You think 235 pounds can sustain a 360-pound guy with got arms the size of my legs? No, that's another story. Anyway, strength. Randy had the strength to put those suitcases in there that I didn't have today. But I want you to know inside, I could do it. And there's a lot of things I can do in here. That I can't do out there. Because in here, I'm still 25 years old. Okay? My body is only 39. But my head, I'm 25. Now, all of y'all looking at me saying, he's 39. I'm self-identifying at 39, so you guys have to let me be there. All right, but, but what I'm talking about, strength on the outside makes a person strong to be able to physically do something, right? To be able to physically do something. But you can't fight your battles with your strength. You fight your battles with the strength from in here, okay? And the strength from in here comes from where? Huh? From the Lord in the manner of what? Joy. He says joy of the Lord. His His joy is our inner strength. It's that strength that allows us to fight every spiritual battle that we must fight. No matter how big it is. I know some of you is going to say, so I'm going to cover it now. You don't think Brother Graham, you just don't know what I'm what I got going on in my life. I don't care. Neither does God. He knew what you were going through. And you spend five hours in prayer now that's probably an exaggeration. You spend time in prayer explaining to God what your problem is. And he's sitting there patting his foot saying, Yeah, I knew that before it started. When are you gonna get to the When you get to the part that solves the problem, right? Speaking the word, speaking those things. Now, we talk a lot about the word, and and Pastor Goodluck really tells us a lot about the word, and I do too, and it's important. Everybody gets up here, teaches he talks about the word. The word's good, faith is good. It's all those things are good. They're all good. But if you don't have any strength, they're worthless. I got faith! How strong is your faith? Strength comes from? So it's important that we have joy. If we don't find our joy, then where are we? Now, in Psalms 28, just looking at strength things here, okay? Psalms 28, uh, 7 says, I just want to read a few verses here. It says, the Lord is my strength. Who's your strength? How do you get your strength? Okay, so we got joy. The Lord says, his strength. He says The Lord is, say this, the Lord is my strength. strength. Not your strength. How many of you try to fight this yourself? How many of you try to win your battles yourself? Physically try to win the battles yourself. The Lord is my shield. My heart. Trust. Trust. Trust in him. What's trust? I'm going to give you an example of trust. I'll try to make it quick. There's a story of a guy who had a Niagara Falls. Everybody know what Niagara Falls is. I've never been there, but beautiful. I've seen on pictures, whatever, but I know it's gigantic. Anyway, this guy, to make money, used to take a wheelbarrow and put rocks in it. And he would push the wheelbarrow across on this tightrope across Niagara Falls. And he would do this. He would go all the way over to one side, and then he would turn around, and he would come back like this on the other side. And there was a man that had watched him do this day after day after day after day. He walked up to him, and he said, Man, he said, you have got to be the bravest guy in the world. And he said, The most talented guy I've ever seen that you can take every day. He said, I've seen you day after day after day after day. The man looks at me and says, Do you think I can roll this wheelbarrow over there today and come back? He said, Sure, I can. He said, Do you really believe I can do that? He said, Yes, I do. He dumped the rocks out and told him to get in. The guy says, You nuts? I ain't getting that wheelbarrow. <laughs> Little old boy was standing there like this. He said, I'll get in the wheelbarrow. And he runs over and he jumps in the wheelbarrow. Man takes it. Here's little old boy across one side. Turns around, brings the little boy back on the other side. He gets back, little boy jumps out. That man says, Kid, you have got to be the bravest little kid I've ever seen in my life. Why in the world would you ever? Get in a wheelbarrow and let that man push you across the other side. You have got to be crazy. Why would you do that? He said, he's my dad. I have a dad. Do I trust him enough to get in the wheelbarrow? And have him take me across the trial that I've got to go through. The test that I've got to go through. That water just boiling by the millions and millions of gallons, one slip, and you're in eternity. And the Lord says, get in the wheelbarrow. You've got to make this walk. But I'm going, I'm going to carry you through. I'm going to carry you through. I'm going to carry you through. Okay. It's important for us to realize that little boy trusts his father. If we know... Our Father well enough will trust him with everything. Now I'm gonna do it this way, point my finger at you, because I got three of them pointing back at me. It's something we all deal with every day. Every day in our life, we're dealing with something. Every day. But it's knowing that from the before you were ever born. Before man was even created, God had already established his plan for you and your life. And God says, if you just do these things. But he says, with my heart, my heart trusts God. When you talk about your heart trusting, what you're saying is with that, inner, that most inner part of you that deepest recesses that part down there that you don't share with anybody but him that you, does anybody want to talk about when I say you don't share anything but him he, he's who you share that, that time with that's that intimacy that you have with the Lord he says I my trust my heart trusting and it says I am helped it says therefore my heart exalts and with my song I shall thank him. Then in Psalms 27:1, it says, The Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. He's the one who defends you in everything in life. It goes on with you. It says, He is our defense. Right? Psalms 118. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. Psalms 37. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of. When? In time of your trouble. It's not my trouble. My troubles are my troubles, but it's not your trouble. We each have our own troubles. We each all have our own battle to fight. Okay, It's important we fight that. i got to keep moving here. I haven't got through the introduction yet, so you'll understand what I'm saying. Okay. Isaiah says, For you have been a defense for the helpless, defense for the needy, In his distresses, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a rainstorm against a wall. What good does a rain do if it's beaten against a wall? It's accomplishing absolutely nothing. The wall's not going anywhere. So what happens when we lose our strength? I think all of you know the answer to that, so I could probably skip this section of it, but it's called we get discouraged. The Bible tells us to be encouraged in the Lord, but we get discouraged. Now, I believe that every person is or has dealt or is dealing with some level of discouragement. Now, I'm going to talk about three levels of dis- just 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 for the sake of talking about the levels of it, so we can understand it. A minor discouragement, well, is the minor issues, but has minor issues and problems. With these, you're able to hide most of your discouragement from others, and 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 they don't see it. You basically hide it from everybody. You're discouraged. You've lost your strength. You've lost your joy, but you. Am I smiling? Yeah. We've, we put on a front that everything is okay. But the problem's not real bad, but it's just not right. Okay? Then there's people who are, that. what I also would say, strong. So we've got major issues and problems and pressures. And this level of discernment affects our emotions to the point that others are able to easily see and come to observe both physical and emotional indications of discouragement in our life. In other words, people see you. How are you feeling today? Okay. Joy of the Lord is my strength. That was just added for her. Then there's disabling discouragement. This level of discouragement happens when we become overwhelmed by our problems and pressures. This now has grown into a depression which will drain us spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically in our strength. When this happens, our hearts melt and we lose the desire and the energy and our ability to go on. It used to be that this happened occasionally in life. People would get discouraged. A lot of times we'd see people commit suicide. Just checking out. Just can't take it. They just check out. But the suicide rate in America is getting younger and younger. It's in our schools today. reading not long ago about a sixth grader committing suicide. Children shouldn't have to deal with these types of pressures and problems in their lives. They should just be able to be kids. Grow up, be a kid. Run around, get in trouble. No, run around and have fun, right? But they're dealing with things that they shouldn't have to deal with, social pressures that should not have to deal with. And many times, because parents either don't recognize it or don't, these, these kids, what happens is they turn to things that helps them to tune out. Drugs, alcohol, you name it, it goes there. These things happen in adults just as well as they do in in children, but it's what happens. People start looking for, what are they looking for? Tell me what they're looking for. The joy. That's what they're looking for, but they're looking for it in the wrong places. They're looking for it in the drug scene. They're looking for it in the sexual scene. They're looking for it in the party scene. They're looking at it in the bars. They're looking for it at the dance places. They're looking for it everywhere because there's something longing on the inside of them that they want and they can't find it, so they go looking in the wrong places for it. Why? Because the church is not showing the way to find what they're looking for, and that is peace on the inside. The joy and the peace that comes from God. That's our responsibilities. That's what God called us to do. So where's this all this discouragement coming from? It all starts out with a lie. Satan propagates everything with a lie. Everything. Starts with Satan's lie. It's something that attacks you, whether it be mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, whatever weight you can. It all comes from without. Everything's coming to get you. Fighting discouragement is a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. Okay? These things are, and we lose sight because we try to fight them In a natural way, and you can't fight spiritual problems natural ways. The strength that you have to have comes from—we know—is coming from the joy. So, when Jesus was—remember when Jesus was in the boat and the storm came up and waves were going everywhere—and Jesus, everybody thinks it's a cabin. Everybody pictures this boat as a cabin cruiser, right? And he's down in the bottom of the boat, you know, down there where no wind sounds and, you know, and it's just, you know, it ain't moving. It's just, you know, just a lullaby and him to sleep while the storm's raging outside. You know, they think think about, you know, the, the, what is it, Carnival Cruises, you know, the ship or something, you know. And these were just little boats. So him stuck off somewhere sleeping. It wasn't he was, you know, down in the belly of the, you know, sleeping. He had to be right there. But the disciples got their eyes on the storm. And then they go to Jesus and they're all excited and he says, "What's the big deal? Peace be still." He says, "Did you not think that I was going? To, you think I was going to let this boat go down I'm asleep?" But no, what did they do? They got their eyes on the storm, right? We do the same. Satan wants to do the same thing. He draws our eyes into the storm of our life. We have little storms going on. You know, go from one storm to the next, right? But we need to get our eyes off of the storms and get our eyes on the one who has the peace. Okay? The discouragement. It's all our problems. In 2 Corinthians 10, puts it this way. It says, For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powered, powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive into the abuse of Christ. In other words, when the problem comes, the thought comes. What am I going to do? What do you mean? Bring that into thought into captivity into what God's Word says. God says, I have it under control. Trust me. Trust me. I have it under control. Trust me. I have it under control. No matter how bad it looks in the natural realm, in God's eyes, everything is under control. In Habakkuk, the third chapter of Habakkuk, gives us a great example. He says... Verse 17, it says, Though the fig tree should not blossom. Okay, so you don't have no figs. And there's no fruit on the vines, so we don't have any grapes. And though the yield of the olive should fail, so we don't have any olive oil. And the fields produce no food, so we ain't got anything to eat. And though the flock should be cut off from the fold, can't fold anymore, so don't have any livestock being bred. There's no cattle in the stalls yet, yet, yet. I will exalt the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. I will rejoice. What is rejoice? It is joy. Yes, rejoice. I will rejoice. I don't know if it could get any worse than that when you think about it. But yet he said, yet I rejoice in my what? You got it. It's yours, right? The Lord God is my strength. And He has made my feet like the hinds feet and makes me walk in my high places. I like this one. For the choir director and my stringed instrument. In other words, if you're the choir director, you lead. Right? That's my dream. That's what I want to do when I get to heaven. I'm going to share it with every one of you so you can vote for me when we get up there. I want to lead the heavenly choir in how great thou art, just like Sandy Patty sings it. I get chill bumps every time I hear that song when she does and all I can do is she's doing that ending and I'm just getting wound up with my thing like this. And then it gets right down there and goes, how great thou art!" how great thou art. And then it just one of the little refrains, you know, where you go back and catch just the last phrase. And I already got it figured in my mind. We sing it all this way and God's over here and thrown over here behind me. and We got the great choir. We're just singing all this kind of stuff. And on that last little refrain, I'm going to just be getting that choir going and we're just going to be getting them. And then, they're going to hit those drums. And then I'm going to turn around and say, how great Amen. you are. You say, boy, that's some dream. I'm going to do that when I get to heaven. (laughs) I've, I've said that. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, a thousand times. So it really doesn't matter how bad it looks, how bad it feels, how bad it seems. Don't become... An instrument of discouragement. Does anybody know what an instrument of discouragement is? It's... Buddy comes up and says, You know, I'm really having a hard time, Brother Graham. Oh, really? Well, I want you to know, Brother... I'm with you. I'm going to pray for you. You just joined in his discouragement. You connected with him. He felt, didn't you feel my sympathy for you? I mean, man, I was, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm right there with you in this. Okay? Why do you empower discouragement? What should I say? When I hear a discouraging word from my friends and from my fellow parishioners here in church, if someone comes up to you and they're discouraged, what should you give them? Encouragement, not discouragement. Don't join them in their discouragement. Encourage them. Become the encourager. Buddy's been in a business. I don't have to know a thing about his business because I've been in enough of these businesses to know. It's a motivational thing to get people to encourage one another to be successful. That's that's a great principle in business. The problem is it came from the Word of God. Okay? Encourage one another. Encourage each and every one. There are people that need to be encouraged to do something more for the Lord. They want to, but they just don't have the confidence to do it. Confidence comes when people are encouraged to step forward. Okay? So don't become... A partner of discouragement. Don't become that one that sits there and just helps them along. But encourage them. Share what God's word with them. And let them know that God has a plan for their life. He has a joy that he's going to put in your heart. And we have to seek after that joy. We have to fight for that joy to have it. Because Satan wants to rob it from us every chance that he can. But we have the ability to hold on to it through the Spirit of God. God says His Spirit. We talk about the Holy Spirit. We talk about speaking in tongues. We talk about a lot of things. And it's all of those things. I'm not discounting any of them. They're all important. But what we have to do is we have to become a body of believers who are walking with a spirit of encouragement. To encourage one another in every step of life that we do, I encourage people if they're struggling in a job. What? Don't say, "Well, I know I know how jobs are." You know they can really get. Why join in? Why not say, "Let's talk. Let's 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 pray about this," and you start seeing God and you start claiming the promises of God that God says He that you know we're the head, we're not the tail. So it's all ours. So I gotta stop. James puts it this way. Nobody likes this one. My brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that's the key. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But I don't want patience. I want it. See, I don't even have to preach it. i have to just prompt you all and I'll just answer the question so I know you guys already know it. But let that patience have its perfect work. What is a perfect work? It's complete. It's completely. Let that patience be the way God wants it to be. Let it be His way of doing it. Let that perfected way be there for Him. That you may be perfect and complete. And as Pastor Goodluck says, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Okay? So when we see others around us going through trials, tribulations, just don't join in and do the oh how bad it is. No, become the encourager, not joining with their discouragement, but being a lifter of their head. They're down, be the lifter of their head. Turn their heads from down. And I always like this. When you're looking down, you're looking toward the Satan. When you're looking up, you're looking to Jesus. Okay? Let, become the Become a person who becomes a lifter of people's heads, of people's spirits, of people's lives, of people's things that they have going on. Right? Speak the words of encouragement. Speak the word to them. Not your words, God's word. And let God's word do that. Don't ever lose. Your joy or help anyone else lose theirs. No matter what. Don't let them lose don't lose yours, but don't allow other people to lose theirs. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I pray that you got something from this tonight. Because I know that if we can keep the joy going right here in our hearts, this church is going to explode. Why? Because there are hundreds and thousands of people who are so discouraged they're ready to check out. And this place right here is a healing station. I'm not just talking about physical physical healing, even though we have physical healings here all the time. That's fine. But I'm talking about emotional healings, financial healings. I'm talking about every type of healing that you need. God is here to restore that. And I feel like there's somebody here right now that says, I wish he would pray for me right now. And if you, if that person, I want you to come home and pray with you right now. I felt it from the very beginning of the service that there was somebody that wanted me to pray with them. And if you're here, I want to pray with you. If not, not, we're going to close. Okay? All right, stand with me if you would. <clears throat> we're going to sing the song. <coughs> the joy of the Lord is my strength. Ready? The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The glory of the Lord is my strength. If you want joy, you must ask for it. If you want joy, you must ask for it. If you want joy, you must ask for it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. If you want joy, you must jump for it. If you want joy, you must jump for it. If you want joy, you must jump for it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, if you want joy, you must clap for it. If you want joy, you must clap for it. If you want joy, you must clap for it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Now look around and everybody's smiling. There's not one person who's not smiling. Just singing about joy brought smiles on every face in here. Every face. No matter what you're going through, when you started singing about the joy of the Lord, a smile came on your face. Remember that. When you're feeling down and you're feeling like you you can't make it, start singing, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Okay? God bless you. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you, Lord, that you were here with us tonight. God, I pray that the words that came forth tonight will bring forth fruit in the lives of your people. That, Lord, that we can grow and be strengthened in the power of your might. Because no matter what we're going through, our confidence and our trust is always in you. And our trust, Lord, I pray, goes with each and every one. And may the joy of the Lord always be our strength. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.